a lot of us women have a problem. We're always wearing a superwoman cape, which is cool, but we're going through life at 100 miles an hour, barely ever taking a breath to slow down, to rest, or even stretch our muscles. Even on our workouts, we do this. We skip the stretching part all the time. You skip over your cool downs. I know for a fact that you're doing this. (laughs) And we just feel like if the workout doesn't burn the max amount of calories or make us sweat and breathe really hard, then that whole workout or that part of the workout, it's not really worth doing. Well, our guest today is Cassandra Reinhardt, who is on a mission to help others feel great through yoga. Her YouTube channel has over 2 million subscribers, so she's pretty much the queen of yoga in the online space. And what I love about her, of course, is her simple approach to helping women relieve stress and tension, especially her 10-minute routines. She's got a pretty cool new book out about the seasons that I'm excited about too. Listen, if you don't solve your 100 mile an hour everyday problem and learn how to incorporate more mellow activity in your life, you're gonna burn out. Your body is gonna break. So we gotta figure this out for you. Okay, here is my conversation with Cassandra. Hey friend, my name is Megan Dahlman. As a certified trainer and nutrition coach, I'm on a mission to change the conversation around fitness, nutrition, and taking care of ourselves as moms. If you're tired of restrictive fad diets and all or nothing workouts, in a culture that tries to sell you the lie that your value is tied to the number on the scale, then you're in the right place. I'm here to equip and encourage you to take simple steps towards the healthy life you want for yourself and the people you love. Welcome to Self-Care Simplified. Well, Cassandra Reinhardt, I am so glad to have you on the show. I can't think of a topic that is more necessary right now. You know, I think especially coming through COVID and into the aftermath of all that and what our lives look now with stress and our tendency to burn out, especially with our fitness routines. So your new book is called Year of Yoga, Rituals for Every Day and Every Season. And it's really all about illuminating the beauty and possibility that each of the four seasons presents through movement and yoga. So tell me why this book is so important right now in this moment of our lives. Sure. So thank you for having me. Um, I wrote Year of Yoga because I was really trying to capture and represent the way that I like to practice myself um, as a student of yoga and also the way that I like to teach as a yoga teacher. And I've found a lot of comfort and wisdom in aligning my life with the cycles of nature. And this can be seasonal, but it can also be, you know, just syncing yourself up with the rhythms of the day, with the rhythms throughout the month, the lunar cycle, and then also throughout the year. And I really have found a lot of comfort into thinking that, um, you know, everything has a time. Like I've always been someone that believes like you can have it all, but maybe not all at once, you know? And I, I think take a lot of comfort in thinking that like, um, 
some seasons of your life are going to be really abundant and overflowing and vibrant and energetic and very summer-like, and some are going to be very introspective and quiet and still a little bit more like winter. And I found a lot of power in kind of integrating that with my yoga practice. So with the way that I move um, and with the practices that I do when I'm at home on my yoga mat, I have found that it's a good way for me to honor my energy levels and how I'm feeling. And it's a way to keep it really simple, you know, so that I'm not overcomplicating everything. But I've noticed that if I really pay attention, I do have those energy fluctuations throughout the day and then throughout the month. Um, especially if you're someone who has a menstrual cycle, you are going to feel that quite a bit. And also throughout the year, you know, so I found that that was one way that I could also just ground a little bit um, and find a connection back to myself. So as things get really busy and really hectic, um, I liked having a yoga practice that would really keep me grounded and connected with something greater than what I have to do on my to-do list for, sure. <laughs> for the day. I love that so much. And it, and it reminds me of so many cycles that happen in our life and our day and our week, you know, everything is kind of on a cycle and we have such a tendency to, to shove the same routine in no matter what, you know, no matter what our energy levels, no matter what we're feeling in the mood for, no matter, like, we're just like, do the same thing, no matter what. And, and we get frustrated with ourselves when we're like, I have some low energy today. I, you know, this is more of a, a winter introspective season of my life. And I have to be on point and present and energetic. And yeah, so everything you just mentioned, I totally resonate with that. And we, we've we had a lot of conversations on this podcast about our menstrual cycles too. So the fact that you even brought that up, it's like, of course, of course, even our cycles throughout our own month with our, our own bodies. So I, I'm just so excited about this conversation with you because like you, kind of bringing it back to actual yoga. I, I discovered yoga out of necessity. I practice yoga about two times a week personally, because I loved high intensity training, sprinting and high intensity training and heavy lifting. Like that was my jam back in the day, but I, I, I got pregnant with my firstborn and I discovered, and this is like 12 years ago. Now I discovered that after a bit, my body just wasn't a huge fan of the high intensity stuff. And those methods just weren't working for my body anymore at that moment in time, in that season of my life. And I needed something that kept me moving in all directions in a thorough way and was was also challenging to me in new ways. So, And I've been doing it ever since, and I, I've fallen in love with it because of the different challenges with it. And I know you have a similar story. So can you tell us how you discovered yoga? Yeah, for sure. I mean, so I think the first time I took a yoga class, I must have been like 18 or something. And I came from the world of dance. So I grew up doing ballet and dancing and really loving everything that went along with that. And you know, around that age, I was like studying, I was also working, um, and it was a very busy time in my life. And I tried yoga very naively, like I really didn't know anything about it. I just thought this might be a fun thing to do to get more flexible, to make it, to make myself a better dancer, basically. Like I really didn't know much about it. 
Um, so I tried it and I kept showing up, like even though I didn't fall in love with it right away, there was something about it that I was curious about enough to like continue signing up for more and more classes. And after like six months or so, things really clicked and I ended up leaving kind of the world of dance and moving over to yoga. And, you know, kind of coming back to the seasons, like the great thing about aligning yourself with the rhythms of nature is that you're giving yourself permission to pause and to do less and to not view it as being less than. It's just as worthy and as important as our times of productivity and output, you know, and we need one to do the other. So I had been coming from like a, a time of big output, I think. Um, and especially coming from the dance world, there's a lot of focus on how you look and a big focus on performance. And that was a little too much for me at that age. Like it was just, I needed a break and yoga was all of a sudden now talking to me, not about how I looked and how good I was, you know, and how perfectly I would excel in a certain movement. It was really just like, how does this feel? You know, what comes up for you when you're doing this? Like, where does your mind go? Where does it land in your body? And it was a totally new way of introducing movement, you know, and it was a really kind of opened my eyes and made me really curious. So I love that. And I ended up kind of leaving the world of dance and like, I still love it. You know, I've been able to come full circle, but I really like this idea that I can still, I've always loved being active. Like I will always do something every day. Yeah. I can't oh, just yeah. be on the couch. Yeah. Like I'm an active person. Um, but I love that there was no emphasis on reaching a perfect way to look, to be, to move. Right. Um, it just gave me new depth, you know, and then I discovered like the philosophy that went through with it and like the spirituality of yoga practice and that really resonated and helped. But, you know, even in terms of my practice itself, like you said, like you started off very hit based, mm -hmm. even with yoga in the beginning, I was so used to those like go, 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 push yourself until you break yes. types of movement. I kind of sought that out in yoga. You know, I do these crazy power yoga classes, trying to, you know, do some handstands oh, yeah. and like really just crushing myself. And that was okay for most of my twenties, but like, I don't know, I'm 31 now and I don't care about any of that <laughs> anymore. Like, I just get like older and wiser, move a little and, slower. Yeah. I don't, it just feels so good to just stretch and chill. Yeah. So every now and then I'll do a good power yoga class, but I know that what I need right now in my life is like something that's a little bit more mellow, you know, some challenge, but I'm definitely not, my practice doesn't look anything like it did when I was 23, you know? Totally, totally. And I think we have this nostalgia for how things used to be. And we're like, oh no, I'm not doing it the same anymore. Maybe something's wrong with me. I know a lot of women look back at who they were before they had kids and like the kinds of workouts they were doing in that season of life. And in this season of life, it looks so different and maybe much more mellow, like you said. And that's still so valuable, so good. So, and it seems like so much of us women fall and, and because of, you know, a lot of us are really self-competitive, whether we're coming from an athlete background or a dancer background, we have this like self-competition, like I gotta, I gotta go hard, you know, this go hard or go home mentality. And, and suddenly we realize that we're, we're, we're actually punishing our bodies and mm -hmm. we're not actually taking care of them. We're treating them like a machine, not like a, 
an organic thing that can break and burn out. And, and, and suddenly I, I've trained a lot of women where they actually start to resent their workouts because it's no longer enjoyable. It feels like pain. Yeah. And I've seen it happen over and over again with moms that think a good workout has to be hard. Like you said, like even, okay, sure, I'll try yoga, but it's got to be power yoga, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and it's got to be long and sweaty for it to even count. So we, we touched on this just briefly, but why do you think that that slow, mellow movements like yin yoga in particular are so important for our bodies? And maybe also along with that, how can it actually benefit our other training efforts? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm never going to be the person that says like, this way of doing yoga is the best way. Yeah. You know, like I'm not gonna put one style above and over the other. Right. However, like I do encourage people to find some kind of balance within their movement and wellness journey as a whole. So if you are someone that is doing kickboxing and you're biking three times a week, like you're already quite fired up in right. a lot of ways in your life, you could probably benefit for something that's going to invite you into a little bit more stillness and some of the aspects or reasons why i gravitated towards either like really slow vinyasa flows or yin yoga was that i found it was easier for me to drop into my emotional body like to really figure out how i'm feeling and what's going on inside of me whereas when i'm doing a form of exercise that's more dynamic and active it's i know for me it's a lot easier for me to distract myself yeah, you yeah. know i can kind of just fling my body back and forth <laughs> right. and there's not a whole lot of like personal growth happening totally. you know there's not a lot of like that deep inner work that i'm now in a place in my life where i feel i really value that you know and like, I'm not a mom, so I, I can't relate exactly to that part of like, you know, mothers who look back on before they had children, how they were active versus now. Mm -hmm. But I think we all have a little bit of this where I'm like, I'll look at photos of, you know, me at 22 and yep. I'm doing all these crazy arm balances yeah. and I'm like, I'm not doing that anymore. Yeah. But I also know, I think I have enough wisdom to know that 10 years from now, I'm going to look back on this time of my life and I'm going to be like, wow, I was killing it. You yeah, know, like yeah. I was actually doing really great. Right. Like, I can't believe I didn't think what I am now is enough, you know, because it's like, hopefully we will all be blessed with aging. We yeah, will all yeah. be able to get older, you know, and we are going to see our bodies change. And sometimes we won't be happy <laughs> with those changes, you know? And I think the practice before the, the, the more powerful forms of movement were very much like result oriented. And now I'm in it for the long haul. You know, that's another reason why I'm really drawn towards slower forms of movement is like when I see family members or just pe population in general aging, you see that yes, strength is important, but man, you need mobility. Like you need to be able to get to sit down and stand back up. Like you need to be able to move your body. Like that is what's going to make you comfortable in the long run. Um, so I think that's been hitting hard for me in my life recently. So I, I'm really placing a lot of high value on that of like, what, how do I want to feel when I'm in my forties, fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties, if I get there, you know, like, what does that look like? And what do I need to do now 
to give myself the best possible shot at feeling good throughout those decades. And yes, you want a little bit of cardio and you want a little bit of strength and you want some balance, but you definitely also want to keep some level of flexibility and mobility and hopefully also care for your mental health, you know? And I really, I really find that slow flows and yin yoga care for my mental health better than the other styles. For sure. And I feel too, and I'm sure you'd agree, but my other types of training have been benefited so much by doing the slower movements where I can really feel my body go through those deeper ranges of motion. And and you're holding it long enough that you can really become familiar with different positions and, you know, tilt, you know, tilt your pelvis this way or extend your leg this way. And when you, like you said, like when you're just flinging your body back and forth, there's not enough slowness to be aware of your muscles, your joints, where you are in space. And so when you slow down and pay attention to that, then when you go back to those faster paced things, it's like, oh my gosh, my squats are better because I have more awareness with how my body is, or I can be in this plank better. I can, you know, do this push up way, way, way better now because I have so much heightened body awareness that you would never have acquired unless you slowed down. So I know yin yoga, we've been throwing some words around and anybody who's listening that's like, I never do yoga. So what the heck are you talking about? And I think with some of us, when words are foreign to us, you know, like that sounds Eastern. Like, I don't know what that word means. And we might think it's weird and end up shying away from it, you know, because we're like, I don't get it. So can you explain what yin yoga is from a movement perspective? Yeah, for sure. So yin yoga is a style of yoga in which we hold passive poses for an extended period of time. This means there is no strength or effort required. When you go to a yin yoga class, in an hour long session, you might only do like seven poses. And most of them are done either sitting or lying down. So it's a very supportive practice. It's still very intense. It just (laughs) presents the intensity in a different way than like, you know, going to do some kettlebells or like a power yoga class. Um, So we're holding passive poses, meaning I'm not engaging my muscles. I'm not using strength. So I'm not pushing or pulling my way into a shape. I'm letting gravity do most of the work for me. I'm allowing myself to relax in the pose. I'm finding my edge. So it's really working on flexibility and more than anything, it's working on the connective tissues of the body, your tendons, your joints, your ligaments, um, the deep fascia connective tissue of the body. So it can be, it's extremely beneficial for, well, everyone who is aging, which is literally everyone in the world. (laughs) Um, Yeah, pretty much. Um, but that's basically what it is. So when you're in a yin yoga class, you're only going to be doing a handful of poses, but you're going to be holding them usually three to five minutes on each side. So this is where the challenge comes in. You know, you were talking a little bit about like the speed or the body awareness, like talk about body awareness. If you're in a pose for five minutes, you will become aware of every single little thing that's happening. And, you know, speed and intensity can hide a lot, you know, they can mask a lot. So when you're really like sitting in stillness, physically, you'll notice a lot of 
potentially imbalances in the body, areas of tension, things that you hadn't noticed or paid attention to before. What I find also is that by really kind of simmering and opposed for so long, there's a lot that's going on in my head. There's a lot of chatter, a lot of internal dialogue, um, a lot of complaining. Yes. I don't like this. This is taking too long, blah, 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 blah. Well, you know, whatever, like whatever it is, um, or you're distracting yourself, or you might be, it might bring up a lot of feelings, you know, like it, a lot can come up. Sometimes anger, sometimes people will spontaneously burst into laughter in a yin yoga class, or they'll start crying and they don't know where it's coming from. And it's because we're really releasing, like we're slowly releasing physical tension from our bodies. And the more you release physical tension, the more you're making room for emotional tension and mental tension to come to the surface. So it's an accessible to everyone type of practice and style. It can absolutely be beginner friendly, um, again, because, you know, we're sitting or we're laying down, you right. know, so it can be very accessible. But I, you know, I did not like yin yoga the first time I tried it because it's, it's hard. <laughs> it's, it's challenging in a new way that you might not be used to quite yet. Well, especially when you're used to, okay, I'm showing up, I'm doing something physical. Wait a second. I have to just like be in this one position. Like this doesn't feel physical and it, it requires so much mental effort at the same time. Like you said, yes. like patience, what you develop not only is like the, the stamina to hold a pose, but the stamina is just like the mental stamina to be there present in that position for a long time. And I've heard a lot of people even mention that, you know, Shavasana pose or for people who don't know, it's just that corpse pose, right? At the, usually yep. at the end of a session or whatever. I've heard, heard so many people say that that is like the absolute hardest <laughs> yoga pose. Have you heard that? Do you agree <laughs> and why? All right, I'm gonna jump in right here and ask if you've been living under a rock. Have you heard? Did you know? All right, I just opened up the doors to my hyper exclusive Strong Mamas coaching program for three days only, and they're open right now. I unlocked the doors yesterday and I'm locking them back up tomorrow, Wednesday at midnight. Okay, if you've been cozy under that rock and have no idea what I'm talking about, the Strong Mamas coaching program is for you. If you like to work out here and there, but you feel like you're just bouncing from one thing to another and not getting any traction or making any real tangible progress, this is for you. If you don't need a ton of handholding, you just need a really good professional plan to follow. Your habits are probably all over the place and you could just can tell that if you streamlined, if you followed a real progression and had a true sense of direction, you'd make leaps and bounds with your health and fitness. So if you're ready to get serious this next year and finally do something that's sustainable and will help you be stronger and more confident than you've ever been, then why are you still under that rock? <laughs> I'm locking the doors for an entire year on Wednesday at midnight, and I really don't want you to miss out on this opportunity, okay? This is gonna make an excellent Christmas gift for yourself. Done and done, I love it. So head to the link in the show notes and grab your spot right now. For some people, it absolutely is. I had never considered it to be particularly challenging. I think because I was look, I was always looking forward to that part yeah. of the class where I get to just like lie down and it felt so good. But once I started teaching and I was teaching in studios, 
I noticed that a lot of people, as soon as we got to Shavasana, they'd start rolling up their mat and they are out of there. Yep. Like they are leaving. And I had to start making a note like, Hey man, you can't like, first of all, you know, everyone's quiet. Like, please, it's distracting, you know, but I was also encouraging like give it a try, you know, like just give it a try. But it is very challenging for people for the same reason that meditation is so hard. You know, so many people, myself included, like struggle with just closing your eyes and doing nothing. We are not used to doing nothing. We are always doing multiple things. Um, So to just have this time where, okay, well, I'm not supposed to move. I'm also not supposed to think about anything. Like it, it can be really difficult, Mm -hmm. very triggering and very unpleasant for a lot of people. So, um, it's normal if you struggle with it, it's extremely common. It does get easier the more that you do it. And the more that you do it, the more you'll start to really crave it and benefit from that silence and that stillness and that time. Like when else in your life do you give yourself full permission to do absolutely nothing, you know? Yeah. Like it's such a, you really start, I know for me, I really start to recognize it as like this beautiful gift that I'm giving myself of true silence and stillness. But yeah, it's hard for a lot of people. (laughs) Yeah. Total, kind of a funny story side note, but yesterday, so my husband does yoga a little bit too. And, um, a lot of our workout space is in our garage and we've been having a mice issue in the garage recently. (laughs) And he's like, can I do yoga in your office? Because I really don't want to get to Shavasana and have to worry about mice running across my face. (laughs) Like, I mean, fair enough. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. I get it. Like, that would really pull you out of the relaxing moment for sure when you're afraid of yeah, mice and might, a mouse might run across your face. <laughs> so um, <laughs> let's talk about breathing for a minute because that's something that these poses, especially like long holds, like you can't just sit there and just like hold your breath. Like breathing is huge. And for eons, everyone who practiced yoga knew that breathing mattered. Like this has always kind of been the, like a basis for good, a good yoga practice. And the rest of the fitness world is just now catching on to this, like the power, like the physical impact of good breathing. So how can you explain to us how breathing has such an impact on your entire body? Like your, even your nervous system. Um, breathing techniques or pranayam that we call like the Sanskrit terms uh, for breathing techniques has always been like a pillar of yoga. It's one of the eight limbs of yoga. So it has the same importance as meditation and as the physical movement of our body, like the yoga poses themselves, the asanas. Um, so it's always been very valued and prioritized. And like you're saying, we definitely don't want, unless we're doing a specific like breath retention exercise for the most part, like you should not be holding your breath while you're doing yoga, you know, and in the context of a yin yoga practice specifically where, you know, we're simmering in a pose for like three to five minutes, um, poses that focus a lot on flexibility can kind of people can underestimate just how intense they really are. And you might think you're okay, but one of the first things that you can notice if you've gone too far into a pose is that your breath rhythm will change. You'll either notice that you're holding your breath or you're breathing in a really rapid, shallow pace way. So if you find that you can't relax and breathe 
normally with an even inhale and exhale, it's probably a good indication that you're pushing too far. You've gone too far. And actually this will apply to even like a power yoga class. Like if you can't breathe, you've overexerted yourself and it's time to like bring it back. And it is absolutely a tool to regulate our nervous system. Like we know that if we, we can activate the parasympathetic nervous system, the part of our nervous system that's responsible for rest and digest, like we can activate that by slowing down our breathing specifically, even slowing down the exhalation. So I, you know, I'm someone who's suffered from, I've dealt with insomnia most of my life since I was an, a young teenager and a breathing technique that I've used for a deck over a decade now, um, is like a four, four, eight technique. You can do four, 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 you can do four, six, eight, you, you know, you can do four, four, eight, but basically it's your inhaling counting up to four and then you're holding the breath for as long as is comfortable, maybe a count of four, five, or six, and then you're exhaling for as long as you can, you know, four, six, or eight counts. And that action of holding the breath and then releasing it in a slow controlled manner is one way that we can like really soothe our nervous system and really um ease any anxiety that we might be feeling so i know that's for me one that i tend to use a lot and on the other hand you know think of when you're doing like a a big workout like you're almost like panting you're breathing much more rapidly you know because that's an activating type of breath you know and that's you literally have to in order to keep the oxygen flowing, you know, through your body and to support your heart and all that. So you're, we're always trying to navigate between the two. And in most yoga classes, they'll talk about this ocean breath, this ocean sounding breath, um, ujjayi breath. And it's an even inhale and even exhale. So here you're just really looking for balance and you're trying to maintain that throughout your practice, even when things get really intense and even when things are really like more mellowed out. And it's a real challenge. Like it's, it's once you start to really pay attention to how you're breathing, you'll notice how much variation there is, you know, all the times that I know for me, like when I'm in traffic, I hold my breath. And I've only recently started to really recognize and notice that like when there's tension in your body, all of a sudden we're also clamping down on our breath and we might think of relaxing our body first, but actually if you just focus on your breath, the rest, everything else will follow, you know? So it's an important tool. Um, it can be a little bit daunting maybe for people, but an easy place to start is to just breathe in and out through your nose and try to get your inhales to be just as long as your exhales. So you can mentally count to four and count to four as you exhale, always in and out through your nose, really sending it down into your belly. Most of us breathe in a more shallow way mm -hmm. and it's restricted upper in our chest. So just learning to get it all the way down into your belly, even feeling as if you could get it into your pelvic floor with a nice even rhythm can have like really wonderful benefits and just imp improve your mindfulness overall. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And I've experienced that in my life too. Like just being able to have so much control over your own tension in the moment, like knowing, like recognizing like, whoa, I'm super tense. This is a really stressful situation and I can't necessarily solve the situation. I can't get myself out of traffic right now, or I can't make my kids like stop screaming <laughs> at the moment. Like they might be <laughs> in the back of the car screaming at me. But what I can do is I can take these deep full breaths. I can follow the pattern and even just the counting 
You can even do like finger taps or whatever as you're, as you're breathing and, and bring yourself back into like focusing on that breath. It's amazing how you start to feel your shoulders just drop and like your neck tension release and all that. You realize how much you're holding like up top and Oh my goodness. So yeah, it's, it's so powerful. I totally agree. And okay. So you are the queen of 10 minute bite-sized approach to routines, which I love. Obviously I love this. We're all about simplifying our self-care around here, but I know a lot of moms are, are still probably skeptical about is 10 minutes even enough to make an impact on your body. So what do you think about like the 10 minute approach? Is that even enough? I totally, I mean, I have personally found that like 10 minutes can be completely revolutionary. I will feel like a completely different person at the end of those 10 minutes. Um, You'd be surprised how much you can fit in (laughs) to a 10 minute yoga sequence. You know, as long as you're targeting like all the main areas of the body and you're focusing on the main um, movements of the spine, like there is so much potential to shift your energy and to release tension in your body and to also prepare yourself for the day that you're about to have. So I am a big fan. I don't only exclusively practice for 10 minutes at a time, especially because, well, I practice a lot of yin yoga and that's three to five minutes of pose. So obviously it's hard to keep it under 30. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. But when I'm doing like a more flowy type of practice, like vinyasa or a power yoga class, I can fit a lot in those 10 minutes, you Mm -hmm. know, and I can really set myself to feel better than I did when I first stepped onto my mat. And the reason why I'm such an advocate also for 10 minutes is I know yoga can be quite daunting to a lot of people. And the thing is, with 10-minute practices, there's something about it that feels a lot more accessible, a lot more manageable, especially for people who are a little bit intimidated by yoga as a whole. Mm -hmm. It's a lot easier to say, you know what, I'm just going to give it 10 minutes. And what ends up happening to a lot of people, they'll do a 10-minute class, and by the end, they're like, oh, man, that feels good. Let's do another one. Let's keep going. Right. Because they're just 10 minutes, you can stack them to make an hour-long practice if that's what you wanted to do. But I know that it can seem a little bit too much to just, you know, I'm an online yoga teacher, so that that's kind of like who I'm talking to here. But for people who are going on YouTube and who are looking for an online yoga class, to choose a 60-minute session, especially if you're new to yoga or if you're just not sure if this is the right teacher for you, if this is the right style for you, is this going to be too hard? Do I have the time? Am I going to be able to stay focused? Am I going to lose energy halfway? It can be almost too intimidating that people just click away and they go like, oh, I'm just not even going to do it at all. Whereas like if you're focusing on like, just try to do it a little bit, start with 10 minutes and see how you feel. You'd be surprised truly like how much of a change it really can make. And I find like people tend to, to like challenges, you know, they like to challenge themselves. They like to start new routines. And maybe you're someone who would like to say, I'm going to do yoga every day for 30 days try 10 minutes a day first, you know, (laughs) like see how you go. It's a lot easier to stick to something that you want to implement into your life. If it's actually realistic with your lifestyle, you know, and 
Even if you're extremely busy, 10 minutes is usually fairly manageable, especially if you're going to give yourself flexibility with what time of the day you're going to do that. Are you gonna do 10 minutes every morning? You know, as soon as you come out of bed, get on your mat. Are you gonna do it on your lunch break, evening, bedtime, whatever it is? 10 minutes, realistic for most people. Um, and you might find that you fall in love and then you want 30 minutes classes or 60 minute classes or 90 minute classes. And that's great too. You know, that's super transformative. It definitely creates that momentum. And I love that baby step approach because we have a tendency to just set our expectations so high and be like, if I'm going to show up, it's gotta be like, it's only worth doing if it's a 45 minute long class and all the yoga classes I see, you know, my friends going to, it's all 60 minute classes and I just, that's not realistic for my life. So creating much more realistic expectations, you're definitely more likely to show up and do it and be consistent at it. And it's going to create that momentum where you want to do more, like you said. Yeah. And I do believe like if I had to choose between going to one 60 minute yoga class a week or doing five days of 10 minutes a day, I would encourage people to do the 10 minutes every day. Like, I think you will see the results in your mental health and your physical health and your emotional health and your spiritual health. If you give yourself that opportunity to have a small check-in session every day versus like one big, you know, those are great too. Like I'm not knocking them, but like, I don't want people to neglect just the just because it's simple doesn't mean it's ineffective, you know, just because it's short doesn't mean it's ineffective. Like you'd be surprised how much you can really get going and how powerful it can be to really set an intention for your day. I totally agree. Yeah. Well, for, let's say someone wants to do a 10 minute routine in the morning. What would that look like compared to like an evening routine? I know a lot of people are you know, morning, first thing in the morning is the only time I have to squeeze in these 10 minutes. And other people are like, it's, it's going to have to be right before bed is when I do this 10 minute routine. So what would the difference between those two routines look like? There can definitely be a lot of overlap, but when it comes to me designing a morning yoga class versus an evening yoga class, I'm thinking of, okay, in the morning, I want to prepare my body for what I'm about to do. And in the evening, I'm trying to undo the damaging effects (laughs) of my day, (laughs) you know? So I spend a lot of time sitting at a desk, like, you know, even though I'm an online yoga teacher, a lot of that is just like admin work at the computer, right? So I know that, okay, well, if I'm sitting a lot, I might be hunched over. I'm probably going to have some stiffness along my spine. I'm not really going to be using a lot of strength and my hip flexors are going to get tight. So in the morning, I tend to focus on like essential spinal movements that can be just cat and cow. So just moving your spine in different ways flexion, extension, rotation, side bends, um, just so that you're really like warming things up, especially because you've been hopefully sleeping for a six to eight hour period and not moving very much. So you're really just preparing your spine. A little bit of strength can be great in the morning to help wake you up and to really give you that solid foundation and connection to yourself. So like You know, a simple, a couple of plank poses can be really nice or like a few belly exercises can feel really good or even like a chair pose to really activate your glutes and to really like find a little bit of that power and strength. Also an amazing way to wake you up if you're really groggy in the morning is to have a little bit of that strength. And 
I, I mean, I don't think there's a single morning that goes on without me doing like a low lunge. I find that to be the best morning yoga pose ever because it stretches out your hip flexors and it's also great for your lower back. So if you're sitting at a desk or just sitting on a chair or driving a lot, um, low lunge is kind of like your lifesaver. I also do that at night. So evening you're looking at, okay, well, was I on my feet all day? If I was on my feet all day, I'm probably just going to want to like lift them up and do legs against the wall, you know, and like kind of do a lot more poses that are lying down on my back. So I'm not on my feet anymore. So my evening practices don't tend to have a lot of standing poses. I'm really focusing on sitting and reclined work because I'm also preparing myself for bedtime, right? So I'm not trying to stimulate my nervous system. I'm not trying to energize. I'm trying to slow things down. So I'll tend to do more passive stretches, like stretching out my hamstrings, stretching out my hips, maybe doing a few back bends if I feel like I've been rounding forward a lot throughout the day, you know? So I'm really just kind of undoing the damage that I've done throughout the day. But a lot of poses can definitely be in both. There can definitely be an overlap. For your, on your YouTube channel, what is the more popular 10 minute one, the morning or the evening morning. morning. Yeah. People love, people love a good 10 minute morning yoga yeah. class. I can never seem to keep up with the demand. <laughs> I probably have like 200 by now. And like every day I get 30 messages for new ones. More morning classes. <laughs> I love it. I love yeah, it. And like, there's only so many combination of poses I can think of. <laughs> Everybody's like, just give us more. We just love it so much. Yeah, we just want more. Yeah. It's so yeah. good. Okay. So to wrap up, I always love to leave moms with just just one simple action step that they can put into action, into practice today. So what is one simple thought or tip that you would encourage everyone that's listening right now that will make a big impact on how they feel today? You know, it's not even really yoga related, but it's probably a practice that has served me the best is I set a one word intention every day. And that's it. And you can do that in bed before you're even, you know, rolling out of the bed, but it's really just like an opportunity to check in and say, how do I want to feel today? And whatever one word comes to you, that's the one that you hold with yourself. It's really nice to have a little bit of purpose, um, in your day, especially if you feel like, you know, we all have those times in our lives where things are so scattered or out of our control. It feels like you're being, pushed along with the current versus like being in the driver of your own car and deciding what you're going to do today. Like sometimes life is just not like that. And you're just trying to survive and stay afloat. And you're just, you know, doing your best to keep going. I find that like when I don't have a lot of control, if I can at least just set one intention for how I want to feel, that's a good way for me to kind of reclaim a little bit of that control and to remember that, I have a little bit of power here, you know, or like my intention matters, how I want to feel matters. It's good for me to move with purpose in life and whether that works out or not, you know, whether the intention manifests itself or not, it's kind of regardless of the point. It's just that no matter how crazy your day is, at least you had a, a few minutes that were for you. Um, and that reconnected you to yourself and to what's important to you, regardless of what's important to everyone else in your life that you're serving. That's so good. Well, where can we go to grab some of your resources, to find your YouTube channel and grab that book? Where can we go to learn more from you, Cassandra? 
Yeah, for sure. So you can just look me up yoga with Cassandra and it's Cassandra with a K. So either on YouTube, you'll find like, I don't know, 750 classes by now. I probably, I have a lot. Um, or my website, just yogawithcassandra.com. My new book is Year of Yoga. That's on the website, on YouTube, on Amazon. It's everywhere in your bookstore. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'd love to connect with you that way. Well, we're excited to check it out. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us today. This has been really fun. Thank you so much for having me. It was great. Now, listen, the most important thing that I want you to take away from this conversation, and honestly, the reason why I invited Cassandra on the show, is that you need to know it's okay. In fact, it's extremely important for your body to do more mellow, easy activity that includes things like gentle mobility work and having a big focus on breathing. It's not a waste of time, okay? It's really important. And if you're not already doing it, just start with 10 minutes or less, which is still worth doing. Go check out one of Cassandra's 10-minute morning routines or evening routines. And I know Cassandra can be a tad bit woo-woo at times, but I need you to see that this is is in fact how God designed your body. He designed it to have cycles of hard work combined with rest and recovery. So if you want to be exercising and feeling physically good and stewarding your body for years to come, you better have some of this more mellow mobility work into your routine. All right. I can't wait to hear your thoughts on this episode and what your big takeaways are. You can reach out to me anytime. And hey, friend, go do some stretching. Do some breathing. You got this. Okay. It's going to feel good. All right. Until next time, be strong. Be strong.